Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are breaking down the Knicks' 94 to 85 win over. I don't even know if you could call them the Detroit Pistons. I mean, like a severely depleted version of the Detroit Pistons, probably missing their top five or six or so best players. And Gavin, despite this being a win, I find myself angrier than most losses this year just because of how terrible things were in this game. And I, I feel like we're definitely going to get into that a lot in this show. Yeah, it was a game where you almost had to laugh at certain points, right? The starters almost comically bad at one point, getting outscored 26 to four in the third quarter, uh, dominated by the likes of Hamadou Diallo and, uh, Sadiq Bay, I want to say it wasn't great. The The bench came through. Alec Burks and company saved the day. We will talk about what went down and what all the implications of it are right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. Uh, we're available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, uh, as well as YouTube now. So if you're listening in audio form and you want to see our faces, you want to see, I do a pretty job, a good job of keeping my expressions not super angry, but you might see some angry faces for me today. Maybe you could find a good screenshot. I don't know. Check it out on YouTube. If you haven't done that already, I am, of course, Alex Wolf. I am editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, today we are breaking down the Knicks' 94-85 to win over the Pistons. That felt like a loss. I mean, first off, I'm going to put this out there again. The Pistons were without number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham. They were without Jeremy Grant who was the runner-up, I think, for the most improved player to Julius Randle last year, who is a, a potent player. Uh, they were without Saban Lee. They were without Kelly Olynyk. They were without, I think, one or two other players that... Killian oh, Hayes. Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart. That's yeah. right. Two other regular rotation players. Wait, wait, wait. Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, <laughs> Tayshawn Prince. Chauncey Billups. Um, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Chauncey Billups was in Portland for some reason. I don't know. Um but anyway, yeah, I mean, just, you know, this Pistons team was without everybody. And even with everybody, this team is by far the worst team in the NBA this year, even with the number one overall pick and Jeremy Grant and Killian and Isaiah Stewart and all those other guys. And yet the Knicks found themselves down by 14 points in the third quarter to this team because the starters couldn't be bothered to play today. Uh, and you know, I guess maybe it was, you know, you could have gotten lured into the trap a little bit as a fan. I, I guess I certainly did. I didn't expect them to ever be able to stoop to this low of a level. But here we are with basically that same starting unit that was the worst one in the league for so long this year. 
you know, through the first quarter or so of the season. And go figure, they completely crapped the bed again and could not do anything against the worst team in the NBA minus their best six players, which is just like not – I bet you there are some G League squads that could have beaten the Pistons today. And, you know, maybe the one that uh, that Jason Terry's coaching that keeps being the, the pipeline for all the former NBA players. I'll be willing to bet that that team could probably have beaten this this Pistons team today. And yet these Knicks, led by Julius Randle and Kemba Walker being horrendous and Tom Thibodeau refusing to ever sub anybody out before their designated time in any given quarter, it almost cost the Knicks this game, which would have been, you know, I said this in our little our little Locked On Now video, the quick quick hitter, like right after the game. I think that this would have been the most embarrassing loss of maybe the last 20 years for the Knicks. And, and that's really saying something considering some of the, the losses that they've had. But given the fact that the Knicks are nearly at full strength and we're facing the worst team in the NBA minus their top six players, this, this was totally inexcusable. And like, I can't feel anything but disgusted after this game. Like, how are you feeling about this guy? Yeah, pretty, pretty similar. I mean, I almost, I was just kind of laughing during the game because it was so, it was, it was almost predictable. I was, I was sitting on the couch watching it with my roommate, and, and he was saying like, "Wow, you know, after after Minnesota last night, like that that can't that can't happen again, right?" And it it did, it happened again in a in a worse way. And he's, I, I was, I was making the jokes for you guys. Like, I don't know, I could see like the Knicks building a big lead, and then all of a sudden you get to the third quarter, and, and the Pistons are right back in it. And it was, it was worse than that, right? I said it in. In the tees, uh, the Pistons outscored them one point twenty six to four in the third quarter. The Knicks made, I think, one of their first fifteen shots in the third. They were sort of zero for six from three. Uh, yeah, it was just it was it was horrible, right? This is this is this was a new low for this team, and I place so much of it on on Tom Thibodeau because at like obviously like Randall's effort was was pretty deplorable. Like he looked. He, it, it's it's so frustrating because it's it's not even dis, like sometimes it's disinterest, but more often than that, it's like he's playing with this weird combo of urgency and indecision. That's just like it's like toxic. It, it it leads to the worst plays you'll ever see, like these these handoffs that sail four feet out of bounds or jumpers that just don't look like his normal jumper that you can tell aren't going to go in like two three minutes before he shoots. But anyways, I got I got sidetracked. I think it's on Tibbs because it, this was so evident that you had to mix the bench guys with the starters, right? If the starters were going to get going, it was going to be because they got fired up that Taj Gibson flew in and had a block or that Miles McBride trailed the guy up the court and, and made um, some ridiculous steal. Like, like we can, I was going to save this, but we can, we can go over the plus minuses real quick right now. Randall minus 27, Robinson minus 22, Walker minus 21, Barrett minus 29, Grimes minus 17. The bench, Obi plus 36, Gibson plus 31, Miles McBride in 25 minutes plus 39, Alec Burks plus 28 in 27 minutes, Emmanuel quickly 35 minutes plus 27. If you if you had mixed and matched, and maybe maybe we get the same result, maybe it's a nine-point game anyways, I don't think – it shouldn't be quite that stark, right? You should be playing the guys who are plus a million a lot more, and if you're going to mix in the starters, that's fine because those guys can't play forever, but just have balanced lineups. And I, I can't for the life of me understand – how Tibbs was just drawn into this idea that like you can't do that. Every other coach in the league does it. It's not impossible. Even Tibbs does it sometimes. And tonight of all nights to be religious to that, to after what you saw in the first half and what you saw at the start of the third quarter to stick with those guys, that's insanity to me. 
Yeah, on top of it, it's the second night of a back-to-back. You would think he would have had some thought of, let's try to save their legs or whatever. Let's try to give the starters a rest, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because obviously they played so good last night, which is also a lie. Like, they played terrible last night too. But, you know, it just it, – you're right. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand this rigidity that he has. And ultimately, I think that, you know, going forward for the Knicks – Tibbs is going to be one of the biggest things that holds them back at this point. You know, I, I think that he's a good coach to a certain point and can get you to a certain point as far as, you know, uh, restoring credibility to a franchise, you know, and he certainly did that for the Knicks last year. And I'm not trying to discredit that, but I think that now burdened with expectations, he's being exposed for being, you know, these, these are some of these like, dinosaur tendencies that you know he got called on before joining the Knicks that people were worried about where it's just like why are you so sure of yourself that this is the way that things should be why do you not have more flexibility within a game to change things from your from your plan here and we've seen this going back to last year and last year it sort of worked by and large so it wasn't a huge deal because the starters played well together and the bench played well together last year this year, the starters are just like fundamentally broken, and he seems to have no interest in on nights when the starters aren't working. You know, like you said, mixing these lineups up more. Like Obi Toppin is allowed to play with Julius Randle, and you know Emmanuel Quickly is allowed to play with like Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett. You know who if they start, and you know Mitchell Robinson can play some minutes with Quickly as well, or with Miles McBride, or you know whatever. I mean, there's just I don't understand why he thinks that everything has to be like hockey with the line changes, but it's just one of a number of things that I think are just like holding this team back at this point and and holding them back from what exactly. I don't know because I honestly don't even think that this team is, they're not even playing like they're half as good as they were last year, which is really saying something because last year's team had less pure talent than this team, but this team just doesn't try every night. And that's like the biggest sin. And that's on Tibbs too. I, I, you know, I think that a lot of it has to be being willing to hold Julius Randle accountable, which thus far this year he's shown zero inclination towards doing, and being able to mix up the lineups from time to time, which he's also shown no inclination towards doing. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that as time goes on here, I'm starting to think, you know, whenever it is that the Knicks are going to make their next step, and I'd love to be proven wrong on this, but I don't think that Tibbs is the right coach to take them to another level other than just respectable, because I just don't think that he has it in him to put together anything creative enough to, you know, beat some of the best coaches in the league and, you know, even just beat a completely depleted Detroit Pistons team on a random Wednesday in December, because he just couldn't bring himself to bring Obi Toppin in five minutes earlier. You know, it's just it, it boggles the mind why he lets things get so out of hand sometimes. And it's super frustrating to watch and super frustrating to cover, like on a day to day basis, like for a living. Yeah, you'll you'll get no argument from me. Well, we'll continue the conversation after the break, because it sounds like uh, you, Alex Wolf, are more than ready to unsubscribe from Tom <laughs> Thibodeau. And if you want to do that, if you want to get all those 
those nasty, uh, inflexible subscriptions out of your life, you know where you're going to go. And that is True Bill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. These companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill is over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year, Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Yeah, so Alex, I think you, you sort of just touched on a point that I made when the Knicks were hiring Tibbs, and I, I kept asking uh, basically everyone we had on the podcast at the time, is it possible that he he is the Knicks version of Mark Jackson on the Golden State Warriors, the coach who, who reestablishes you, who gets things moving in the right directions, only to seed way to a, a more creative mind, in, in Mark Jackson's case, someone less prone to recording their assistance in, in Steve Kerr. Um, and that worked out really, really well for Golden State. I, I think the guys in the Warriors, like you, you'll you listen to Steph Curry talk about it, and he's like, yeah, I think we could have won a title with Mark Jackson too. And, and maybe that's true. And, and in the NBA, so often coaching just gets a little overblown, right? If you have Kevin Durant, it, like I, I talk to Nets fans all the time, and none of them think Steve Nash is all that great of a coach. But they have Kevin Durant and James Harden and uh, half of Kyrie Irving. So that, that's enough that it doesn't really matter. The Knicks have fine talent. They don't have great talent. And by all accounts, like they're – basically playing up to preseason expectations, maybe not our preseason expectations, but national preseason expectations or Vegas win over under they're right on, right about on track to hit that their um, scoring margin is actually better than, or at least before this game, their scoring margin was better than their record is. Um, they, they are about as good as a lot of people thought they were. And in that sense, Tom Thibodeau is doing a fine job. And, and you can argue that there are parts of his coaching that on nights like this, we don't really appreciate and just, um, I, I can't I can't think of any positives right now, so I'm not going to try and list any. But the point is, um, I don't want to bury the guy because, to your point, he has done a whole lot. But this just has to change because there, there are locker room dynamics that are going to get really, really bad. I mean, I can't remember who reported it, but there was all this talk about when Kemba got benched that a lot of players in the locker room openly felt that hey this is a blatant double standard Kemba and Julius are both playing really bad but because of their respective contracts he didn't even consider benching Julius and he still isn't considering I'm uh, just limiting his minutes to some extent and I just I don't know about you I just don't see how that is sustainable practice when like these guys aren't stupid right they 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 know so much better than us what's happening on the court and, and they can see it that the bench is what is carrying this team to victory and a lot of times, Obi Toppin out playing Julius Randle is what carries his team to victories. How can you keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, I don't like. I don't know how to quite feel about that either because you know, obviously, without being in the locker room, it's tough to say. And with things being what they are, with the COVID situation, whatever, it's you know, it's tough to get real inside reporting on what the the locker room dynamic is right now. But I agree. I mean, I, I feel like players have to be feeling a little bit like okay, how come Randall is able to lollygag and still ha get his playing time when anybody else makes like one or two mistakes and it's game over? You know, Obi Toppin last night was extremely impactful 
in uh, the game against the Timberwolves and played 10 minutes and 30 seconds because he happened to have a couple brain farts. You know, like Julius Randle has two brain farts in the first five minutes of most games anymore. And yet we'll never get the, you know, anything more than just like a quick trigger timeout from Tibbs where he then, I guess, yells at the whole team for Randall's shortcomings. It's the double standard is, is really noticeable just from our perspective and just from Tibbs's actions. I can only imagine that it's even worse in the Knicks locker room. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I guess we'll see, you know, I, I keep saying, I've said this before about like, Randall and Fournier that I feel like sometime after the season, some big expose is going to come out. That's going to be like, Oh, they secretly hated each other the whole season. I I'm almost starting to think that maybe there's going to be something like that with, and maybe sooner than later, you know, I don't know. It depends on who wants to leak what at what time, but I feel like at some point or another, we are going to see something a little more substantial of like Tibbs has kind of lost the locker room. And, you know, these guys are, are not happy with the fact that, certain players get treated different than others. And it really flies in the face of everything that Tibbs preaches, which is like accountability and, you know, everybody should be, you know, giving a hundred percent at all times and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he got asked about why Julius wasn't playing good tonight and wrote it off as just, Oh, he's in the, he's a little nicked up. And then last week it was like, Oh, he wasn't feeling well. And it's like, come on, how many times are you going to make an excuse to this guy? Like just call it like it is, you know, you called out freaking RJ Barrett, after he came back from being sick and said, oh, he's not getting in the gym enough and shooting enough jumpers. He needs to go back to that. You know, uh, you know, you you sat Mitch down after he wasn't playing good in the starting lineup. You sat Kemba Walker for not playing good enough in the starting lineup. So extend that to everybody. Don't make this just something that you do to either the young players or the guys that you feel like you have some sort of some sort of power over because of contract situation or whatever. Like he really needs to. And I mean, I bet you today he thought that this was like his version of like, Oh, I'm really teaching Julius something here, but it's not because it it reflects that he was just punishing the whole starting lineup instead of just punishing Julius. I do think that the whole starting lineup needs to do better of not letting Julius's attitude on certain nights, bring them down because ultimately these guys are all supposed to be professionals and whatever. But on this particular night, I mean, I actually think that RJ and Mitch did a pretty good job of, still trying like RJ was still a little off, but he did better than he's done recently. Um, as far as shooting the ball, I think his final line was five for 13. If I'm not mistaken, um, five for 12, even better, you know, so it wasn't perfect, but he was at least giving it a shot. Mitch, like his touch was terrible around the rim for whatever reason, but he was hustling and trying to get rebounds and trying to keep possessions alive and stuff like that. And was doing a pretty decent job on the defensive end of deterring guys around the rim. And meanwhile, Randall was just lollygagging so much that it actually managed to bring the entire team down tonight. And I think that at some point in the third quarter, they all sort of just collectively gave up, which, you know, yeah, rightly or wrongly, whether it's his style or not, Randall does have to do a better job of, of trying to lead in those situations. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no real counter argument. And then the whole, the whole premise, if, if you're Tibbs and you're, you're absolutely convinced that Julius is having an impact that all of us are missing, right? Which, which maybe the plus minus doesn't indicate, but maybe in Tibbs' mind saying, you guys just underestimate the attention he draws and the cascading effect that has um, on the rest of the guys on the floor. And if I were to take him out and if I were to play Obi, those extra 
eight, nine minutes, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really carry over against better competition. Granted that better competition doesn't exist given, given what's currently going on with the pandemic, but when it does, uh, Obi would get exposed and, and you'd see Julius's real value. All I would say is then, then show us, Tib, show us, show us how wrong we all are. Give us, give us a chance. Let, let's just, let's just see it right at a certain point you have to see it. And that to me is the most frustrating part of all of this. It, it's that, it, it's this it's this denial of the idea that there's a chance that he is wrong. And with Kemba Walker, I mean, obviously Kemba has not didn't play well tonight, didn't play particularly well last night. Um, but we would have never known that Kemba had an Eastern Conference Player of the Week in him unless this this virus raged back, right? Like Tibbs could have benched him, and that would have been it. For, that would have been the story for the season. And I feel like it's the same thing with Ovi playing more right now. Where we'll never, we'll never know. We'll never get to say he's wrong because he doesn't even, he doesn't even try. Yeah, it's it's going to remain frustrating, and uh, I guess we'll see as the rest of the season goes on if if Tibbs is able to galvanize these guys in some way, uh, something more similar to how he did last year, or if this team is just going to continue to fall apart because you're not going to get to face depleted versions of the worst teams in the NBA every night. And the Knicks have, have come out by the skin of their teeth against two of those very teams these last two nights to the point where, you know, they're on a three-game winning streak and this should be a joyous occasion. And yet I just find myself looking at this being like, this game should have been more like that 144-95 to 95 or whatever the final score was that the, the Cavs put up against the Raptors, you know, like a week ago than a game that the Knicks, you know, had to come back from a double-digit deficit and only won by a handful of points. It just nothing about this team right now is encouraging. And a lot of that comes back to Tibbs and and the way that he is not holding these guys accountable and not setting them up for success uh, via the way that he's managing the lineups and everything else and how he's letting some guys get a pass and others not. Anyway, uh, I think we should take our second break real quick and then get back in. Maybe we can talk about some positive stuff like Alec Burks and his big money AB explosion uh, down the stretch. But I just want to remind everybody, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline, where the game starts. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs, compared to a whopping 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. 
to say nothing of the fat content in those candy bars. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many great flavors too. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Gavin, I think we should talk about Alec Burks at this point. Let's just start getting into the guys that actually gave a shit in this game. Um, Pardon my French, I guess. You know, we normally keep it clean, but I just like (laughs) my fed up levels are at their their peak right now. Um, So to talk about the first guy who actually cared, you know, Alec Burks just crushed it uh, as as the (laughs) one starter who actually was the worst on the team with a minus 29, RJ Barrett said. Uh, at one point earlier this season, he was big money AB in this game. Uh, 12 of 17 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. All good for 34 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. And, uh, I mean, I loved what I saw out of Burks. I I don't even feel like I have to talk about what we saw that much because it was kind of just like the best of what Burks has to offer. I think I think maybe the one wrinkle compared to what he normally brings was that he seemed a lot more aggressive about running pick and rolls and getting to the rim and also finishing at the rim. And that was sort of the difference maker of what took this from your average, like, okay, Alec Burks had a good game, made a few three pointers and, you know, took a couple other shots or whatever, got like a fast break opportunity to like, Oh, this is a legitimately awesome. Like top five Alec Burks is a Nick game because he was really doing like everything possible on offense that you could have ever expected from him and doing every bit of it at like a hundredth percentile level. Yeah. He, I mean, he looked like a really good NBA player going against college kids, which is how everyone on the Knicks should have looked tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It was just Alec Burks, unfortunately. Now he kind of, he had a little like Kobe to his game tonight. He, He was so like slippery off the dribble that play where, I mean, he, he had, he had two, uh, plays that were just dirty. The one where he split the double team, and then I'm trying to trying to get to it on my on my little play sheet here. Yeah, he he's, he split a double team, and then uh, that had that high arcing like hook lob to Obi. That was pretty nice. The the spin and spin back move on the baseline, the the the, the Michael Jordan one that led to the dunk over was it's, it's Ewing, right? Um, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty nasty. Uh, the the four point play at the end had a reverse spin lefty jump hook. I always say it about Alec Burks, but the guy just has he just has so much game, right? He he's he's one of the deeper bags of one of the more innocuous players in the NBA. Someone who, if you're not a Knicks or Jazz fan, or maybe I guess he played for Golden State and I think Philly briefly as well. Um, if, if you're not a fan of one of the teams he's played for, you you maybe just don't know that he exists, but. He just he feels like someone in a different lifetime that could have been a star player. And it's hard to pinpoint maybe just a consistency. That's the reason that he's he's not quite that guy or that he can't. He obviously can't do this against the best competition in the league on a night to night basis. But when he's rolling like he just if you if you just showed someone 
who knew basketball, but for some reason did not know the NBA one game, they'd be like, oh, that's a top 25 player in the league on, on certain nights. And that's that, that's what's special about Alec Burks. And tonight, the Knicks needed that guy, and they got that guy 27 minutes, 34 points, just absolutely ridiculous. Hard, hard to overstate how amazing he was. Uh, but Alex, was, was there anyone else on the bench that really jumped out to you? Obviously, Obi Toppin. I mean, but I, I actually want to hold off on shouting him out. I I was saying I said this on Twitter, and then I said this in the little the little locked on now video. I think the most telling person on this whole roster tonight as to how this game went, even though Burks had the thirty four points, obviously the Knicks aren't winning the game without him going crazy like that. But Miles McBride, I think, had the most telling stat line of anybody on this team tonight, right? He had 24 minutes, 33 seconds. He was 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, 0 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 turnover. And he ends with a plus high, or a plus minus high, plus 39 for the Knicks in 24 and a half minutes in this game. He was literally the, like, the physical embodiment of the fact that all that the Knicks had to do in this game was try and they would win this game. And the fact that the bar was that low, like it, <laughs> I, I just couldn't help thinking during the game, like there's an episode of South park where, you know, they kind of made fun of where like TV was at the time or whatever with honey boo boo and all that crap. And that, you know, so they, the, their joke was James Cameron, you know, goes, Oh, I have to, I have to raise the bar. You know, I have to raise the bar again. And so he goes looking for the bar in the ocean and finds that it's like all the way down in the Marianas Trench, like buried under, you know, 10 feet of, of uh, deep sea sand or whatever, and finally starts raising it. And then all of a sudden, as he's raising the bar, you know, he <laughs> everything starts uh, being less cringy in life. And, you know, the quality for content goes up and stuff like that. I feel like the Knicks bar currently is already in the Marianas Trench and just continues going down into like the crust of the earth at this point. And soon we'll just like pop out in China somewhere uh, because it'll go so far, so low that it'll just literally go to the other side of the earth. Like they're just, they're, I don't know how they keep finding these new levels to not try, but at least as, the, as far as the starters are concerned, but like Deuce McBride was the exact opposite. Like Deuce McBride in this game was like, James Cameron grabbing the bar and raising it up and, and, you know, trying to make the Knicks respectable again, along with the rest of his benchmates. But I just thought that he was like the guy that, that brought that all uh, sort of to fruition and, and really just impacted the game in other ways other than scoring, which was just trying on every single play, you know, pressuring the Pistons on defense and making them uncomfortable, which was all you really had to do against a glorified G League team. Yeah, it was it, it was a low bar and the Knicks the Knicks could not raise it. Uh to to shorten the analogy. Uh I don't even know where else I want to go with this. Yeah, Obi, I mean again, all all you could have asked for in terms of activity. I thought quickly, even though he didn't shoot that well, was was pretty good. I mean the fact that he got eight free throws was just again, it it was just could you play with some force and he could play with some force. Uh, the one, the one annoying thing with quickly that I'll note that he, I've noticed him doing a lot lately. You know when you, um, 
yeah, when, when you're bowling and you're at right, right after you roll, some people roll it a lot faster, but, but like, especially like when you're younger, you do the really slow roll and you try and like bounce it off the sides a little bit and you're just trying to maneuver it in with your body. And like, you're kind of like, that's what Qu- Quickly's doing that every like two or three shots now. And like, I feel like it's a bad habit that he's gotten into. It worked for him on that free throw, but uh, something, something he has to get out of. But overall, a uh, great game for IQ. You mentioned McBride. I want to shout out Taj Gibson, four mm-hmm. points, eight boards, Four blocks. Again, you want to talk about effort. That guy brought it tonight. Uh, the play of the game probably was uh, he was guarding Luca Garza and someone got beat back door and he recovered and he almost he almost caught the shot. He, I mean, he had another one where he ran down Sadiq Bay and blocked it off him to save the Knicks possession. Man, just play play Taj 36 minutes if he can survive it. With, with, with all the like horse tranquilizer that he's probably on, I feel like he could do it for a couple of weeks. I, the guy, the guy's an Iron Man, and he he is the one dude who like didn't forget what made this team great last season, right? Like he he is still playing like that, and Tibbs should reward it. I know, I know that's uh, that's what we've been saying all podcast, but I'll, I'll keep driving that home. I, I think I think that's that might be the last thing I have to say, Alex, because. To me, that's like like we keep. I feel like we're, we're we're pushing the same thing over and over again. Half the guys played really hard. Half the guys didn't know that there was a game tonight. Yeah, pretty much. And you know, it it stinks that it was even infectious to a guy like Quentin Grimes, who previously had been like untouchable. But even he was, you know, I thought he had way too quick of a trigger with that starting lineup. Maybe trying too hard to prove that he belonged or whatever. But you know, he clearly didn't have it, and yet still just kept firing away five three-point attempts in like 12 and a half minutes, and it felt like he pretty much shot it every time it touched his hands, regardless of how good of a shot it was or whatever. And that's frustrating, you know, and, and it just sort of, yeah, it sort of drives home the stink of that starting lineup and just how bad it was in this game um, and, and the fact that Tibbs continued going to it, even though there's just something clearly fundamentally broken with that lineup right now. Uh, I'll also shout out Taj though. I, I loved his effort. I just love watching that guy play uh, when he's when he has an opportunity like this. And I, I actually give him props too. I thought that he had kind of a so-so first half and followed it up with just a virtuoso second half, um, which is where he got most of his stats and most of his like highlight defensive plays and all that stuff when the Knicks needed it the most. Honestly, you know, he came in when they were down along with the rest of the the bench unit, and he stuck it out as a 36, 37 year old man. You know, in the in the later stages of his NBA career, and played like 14, 15 straight minutes to end this game, and brought it from minute one to minute fifteen, and and that's always always commendable on a team where effort is such a uh, hard thing to come by sometimes. But anyway, uh, I will take you at your word that that was your last thing that you wanted to say, and wrap this one up because I certainly don't feel like talking anymore. So uh, this has been Locked On Knicks. Thank you all for listening. We will be back uh, with another post game pod this week as well as. We have one with a special guest that's going to be coming out tomorrow. Uh, should we spoil it, Gavin? Should we spoil the guest? Should we hype it up? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have Tom Piccolo on from the Talking Knicks podcast, um, who also does some amazing work on Twitter uh, as far as breaking the Knicks down during games and after games and day after that sort of thing. So we're gonna have Tom on just talk about some general Knicks stuff. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot from this game and these last two games that have just been despicable despite being wins. So you guys have that to look forward to. But until next time, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out, guys.